0: But Johnny, I can't even tell if it's Johnny. Because the Johnny person, if it is Johnny, he has his back to me. You might actually be interested in that. You might actually get excited. I definitely might, might get excited about that. And then the chi ball power master makes a chi ball of power. Of power chi power. And then the other guy tries to punch him. Hey, welcome to The Bitterest Pill. It's Dan Class, I'm in my garage. As always, uh, under the flight path at Los Angeles International Airport. Greetings. It's December 4th. 2015 years. Anno Domini, I think. I think that's... Is that what it's still called? Because every once in a while, my kids will come home with some new... Because we don't call it BC anymore. Do we call it BCE or something? What does that mean? Before Christ, everybody. Is that what it... Like, I have no idea. Now, it's 2.53 in the p.m. hour. That was a very DJ thing to say. I'm sorry. I, I'm i sorry. But it is 2.53 p.m. And uh, what that means is, is I've been putting off doing this until the absolute last minute all day. And then now it's actually too late to do this. And I think that's part of why I'm talking fast. Because I'm trying to get it all in so I can get my daughter on time. So we're going to be, I'm going to be done in about a half an hour. I'm probably going to have to uh, do, is this going to be a two day thing again? How have you been? I'll tell you how I've been. Uh, I got bronchitis again. Doesn't that seem a little ridiculous? Am I in such poor health? Is the air quality here so low that I can't go for two months without getting bronchitis? I don't. Maybe I'm not getting enough water, because I do eat and I do sleep fairly well. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not, I don't think in poor health. I'm not that old. And yet, yeah, a couple Sundays ago, I don't remember the date, but a couple Sundays ago, perfectly fine at noon, by one o'clock, head cold, by three o'clock, holy crow, by Tuesday, antibiotics. It's ridiculous. I'm still, I still got it. So if you hear me clearing my throat, I, I apologize. So I made a whole list of things that we were going to talk about, but, but I didn't put the list in front of me, which sort of uh, negates the whole purpose of the list. Do you email yourself things all the time as like a safety thing? All right, let's get into one thing. I was going to talk about this weird car crash that I saw, and, and, and maybe we'll get to that in a little bit. Let's talk about something we don't normally talk about. Hudson and I in, in the car, we always talk about superheroes. In superhero, really more superhero movies. And then now that, as as is probably happening in your car, is now transitioning to Star Wars anticipation conversations. Okay? And Hudson and I are not exactly that into comic books. and We're not really exactly that into superheroes. We are very into discussing the fact that they've kind of taken over popular culture and who's playing what and what movie was good and blah, 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 you know. And someday I'll have him back, and we'll bore you stiff with all of our theories. Now, my latest theory, especially after seeing uh, the Batman versus Superman vs. Batman trailer, they're promoting that, they've been promoting that movie now for what feels like 17 years. It's going to come out, who cares, when. And I saw the trailer, and everybody was like, I hate the trailer, the trailer, I was like, I guess... You know, didn't like Man of Steel. Why would I like him fighting Ben Affleck as... I don't want to get into too big of... I I don't want to get into this. The trailer... Listen, if you like the trailer, bless you. Convince me to do it. Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne are standing there talking and neither of them are in actual care. It's just... was. It's weird. <laughs> but my prediction is and and we'll find we'll find out if my prediction is true in a couple weeks i feel like secretly the superhero genre is on its way out anyway in a vacuum i feel like we're sort of just like ah, whatever at least i am definitely like the list of things i'm not watching is crazy right so i have this theory that the superhero genre again it's on its way out anyway but star wars is going to kill it completely completely now i could be really i could be really totally wrong about this but i feel like we could potentially be and right have you thought about this we could be at the very end of not talking about star wars all the time like right now we sometimes talk about star wars all the time but then sometimes talk about superheroes all the time you know what i mean and i wonder if in about a month or two it's going to be only star wars for 10 years Star Wars is once again going to make the superhero phenomenon look like I don't even know what. But superheroes are going to look like cowboys. It's over. Now listen, and I didn't even want to post this on Facebook because I don't want to make too big a deal out of the whole thing. And I I don't know what to do about it. And I don't know, maybe you don't even care about this stuff. I have, uh, this isn't what I was going to say. This is a tangent. I have a memo that I stole. I've told you this before and no one ever cares. I have a memo that I stole from a basement filing box at Paramount Pictures in the early 90s that was a casting memorandum that went to all these bigwigs in Paramount about who they were going to cast in Star Trek The Next Generation. It's a memo. It has like the list of all the potential Picards and Rikers and Datas and all that stuff. And you know what? No one seems to care. So maybe you don't even care about this, but I keep seeing in the news because I have, I use that thing Flipboard on my phone. Do you know what that is where you can, uh, you know, it turns Twitter feeds and and RSS feeds into kind of a somewhat nice looking magazine format or whatever, but I use it on my phone. So you just basically flip through stories. And apparently one of the things that I'm, you know, uh, subscribed to or whatever is n- movie news or it's geek news or super, I don't know what it is, but I get, new, you know, movie news, whatever, right? Well, one of the stories that keeps coming up is all about how apparently the Star Wars folks, which I guess now is, that's Disney, right? That's weird. Disney, ugh. Until the movie comes out, I'm going to be choking on that a little bit, but Disney is talking about And in planning, right, they're going to make a Han Solo movie. Now, you know this, right? This was inevitable anyway. I don't need to tell you that they're going to make, trust me, a Han Solo movie. And I keep seeing all these stories about the excitement of who's going to play young Han Solo. Who's it going to be? And seeing these lists of actors, lists of, right? It's a big, th- now that's a big thing. To see a, a decent Han Solo movie might be good, right? You might actually be interested in that. You might actually get excited. I definitely might, might get excited about that. No, I'm I'm telling you something and I'm, okay. I cannot say who told me and I cannot say what they told me yet, but I'm telling you right now. Han Solo has been cast. And I know who's playing Han Solo. And I'm not joking. And I heard this from a very reliable source who will go unnamed, who spoke directly to the actor who was cast as Han Solo. And I think you're going to love it. And if so if you want to guess, and I don't know what to, if, if I should put this on Facebook for the bitterest pill, the website for bitterest pill. I think we I think if you want to guess, let's guess. I really can't see, but, but I can't tell you if you're right. And I really don't want to jeopardize you know my friend's relationship with this actor. I don't I, I wouldn't want to do anything because I'm telling you, I I would buy a ticket for this movie right now. To see this person play Han Solo, I'm all, I'm telling you, I'm all in. And all of these lists that I see where they're like, oh, let's get this guy. Let's get that guy. Let's get Percy Jackson. Let's get kick-ass. Let's get, there." It's not any of those guys. I have not seen his name on a list. He's an American actor. He's, you know who he is. He's not an unknown. He's not, okay, so it's not an unknown and it's not a British guy or an Australian coming here to play Han Solo. Finally, an American guy is going to play one of our American heroes. Thank you. I can't tell you who it is. I'd love to see who can guess between now and whenever they announce. But I also think, now I could have misunderstood this part. I think they're shooting the movie much sooner than they're admitting. That's all I can say. Okay. So I'm not making. This is all I'm gonna say about this. I'm pretty sure that I know for a fact who's playing young Han Solo. I'm not joking. I personally very excited. I think he's gonna be a kick-ass, badass Han Solo. I'm thrilled. I I don't know if you're gonna be happy. I have no clue what your tastes are in this realm. Right. But if you if you think you know who either is gonna be Han Solo or who you would want to be Han Solo, let me know. I don't know, man. Send me an email or something or uh, you know Twitter or whatever, right? And then and then when it comes out, I'll tell you if I'm actually right. Right now, you know what I mean? Like in six months or two months or a year or whatever, when they finally make the big announcement, I'll I'll be very honest with you and say, yeah, that's who that's who I knew it was. Or oh no, that's so weird. That person. I don't know if they didn't get, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not going to BS you on this. But I'm telling you, and don't go around telling, don't, you know, be cool about this. I'm I'm really not joking. Be cool about this. So if you want to guess who Han Solo is, that's fine. But don't say, hey, Dan, that's so wild that you know who they can't, like, don't say that. Just say, hey, Dan, you know who I think should play Han Solo? Blah, blah, blah. You know, whatever, right? That's all I can say about it. But I I don't know this actor, but I heard it from a very reliable source. They got it firsthand. We're not kidding around. I can't wait. Okay. Wow, I wonder who you think it is. I, I, I hate keeping things from you. I hate doing this where, where I like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, oh, in a couple weeks... I do have a great story that I'm sitting on, and I think I have to start recording it before I start to forget it, because it's been a long story now. It started in like the late September. And it just won't end. And I was going to wait till it ended to tell it, but but I, I don't know that it's going to ever end. So I might have to just either record it now and put it in a shoebox or, I, you know, I don't, I'm really torn about that. Okay, let, let, let's talk about things. So listen, so I'm driving home. This has nothing to do with Han Solo now. We're done. Okay, Han Solo is done. Oh, I wish I could tell. So, okay, I'm driving home from dropping Hudson off at school. And there's a car crash um, near me. Okay. Now, the the crash has already happened. Okay, this isn't a danger story. This is just a weird-ass story. It's not even a story. It's just something I saw. So, this is what I saw. So this crash is at a T-junction, and I'm on the main road, and this is, this is a little road that comes up from a small airport called Santa Monica Airport. I think it's the airport, actually, that Harrison Ford was aiming for when he crashed a plane a couple of months ago. Okay. And Harrison Ford is not playing young. Han Solo, you know that, right? Okay. <coughs> so I'm driving by Santa Monica Airport, and there's been this crash. Now, okay, so what the crash is, is a black Escalade, or Explorer, but let's say Escalade, because I think it was an Escalade. A black Escalade has been in a nose-to-nose collision with what seems to be an identical black Escalade, okay? So black Escalade one, was coming up the little hill to the T-junction to leave the area of the airport, okay? And they're in their lane, the far, their far right lane, this black Escalade, and it's twin doppelganger, evil I don't know what, has hit it from the face, right? Nose to nose. So, so number two, what was it doing in that lane? I have no idea, right? Number one, perfectly positioned. Number two, rammed right into the nose of it, crash, right? Kind of surreal to see a black Escalade and then a nose-to-nose with another black Escalade and then shattered, you know, headlights everywhere and the whole thing. But that's really not the weird part. The weird part is apparently when Escalade number one was um hit by Escalade number two, Escalade number one was immediately rear-ended by a small black Mazda or Toyota, some small little car, you know, like a little car, okay? And I can't think of what little car I think it is because I don't really know those kind of cars, but you know what I mean by a little car, like a Chevette, but they don't make Chevettes, I don't think anymore, but it's that kind of car, like a little car, okay? So imagine, so you got a black Escalade, number one, nose to nose with black Apparently, that's a tongue twister. Escalade number two. Black Escalade number one has also been rear-ended by tiny car. Black tiny car. Black tiny car car number one. Also, I swear this is the truth. Black Escalade number two had been simultaneously rear-ended by an identical black little car. Again, what is identical black little car doing tailgating Escalade number two in the wrong lane turning into the Santa Monica airport? What glitch in the Matrix has to occur for this to happen? now of course because i'm my age i'm not a kid if i was a kid if i was younger i would have been smart enough to take a picture at it but uh, take a picture of it but i was so focused on trying to remember this to explain this to you because i could not believe what i again two black identical escalades nose to nose crashed each rear-ended by an identical tiny black car Now, the only thing that made it start to make even a little sense is it seemed like the driver of one of the cars was sitting on the sidewalk which with what seemed to be two uh, seeing-eye dogs on leashes. At least that's how I interpreted it. And, and it would actually be the only rational explanation is that somewhere, some motor vehicle, at least one of those four was being operated by Someone who is visually impaired. I, 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 you know, I don't get it. Okay, let's look at my list because... Han Solo. I'm not, I'm not joking. So I've had Strange, Crash, Han Solo, Batman. I mean, are you really excited to see the Batman movie? Superman? And then suddenly Wonder Woman's at the end? Like, you got really, you just, you didn't have a story, did you? Please explain to me. How that's good. So, okay. So, so I'll tell you, this, this is kind of a tangent tangent thing. And then we'll double. We'll, so my son, you know Hudson, right? So Hudson's been doing this play. And I, I, I can't remember if we've talked about this at all or not. I feel like I've talked to this to other people. And then I don't know if, if we, you and I have talked about it. We, the we here, this present we. So, um, oh, hold on. The power strip's off. Hold on. Oh, very important. Wow. Okay. That could have been ugly. So Hudson's been doing this play and it's called the Laramie project. And what it is, it's a play based on interviews of people surrounding the Matthew Shepard murder case. Now, Matthew Shepard was a, uh, a young man in Wyoming who was gay, was murdered because he was gay, hate crime, caught the guys, sent him to jail, I think, or death row or something, I forget. Now, I saw the play twice, so you'd think I would remember exactly, but <laughs> we'll get into <laughs> anyway. so we're waiting we're waiting to go into the Laramie Project, okay? And I think this is night two, right? We saw both nights once with and once without our daughter. And so we're waiting to go in on night two, and uh, we we meet Hudson's buddy Elijah's uh, father. And this guy's name is Johnny. Now, Johnny's a cool guy. He's from New York. There's something about people from New York that are very easy for us to talk to. I don't know what it is. There's some kind of like grounded, matter of fact, New York just thing or whatever. People that grew up on the East Coast, we just kind of, there's just a rhythmic, synchronous, there's just a thing that, that it's easy. Okay? So we're hanging out with Johnny, man, right? So we're hanging out with Johnny. Johnny's cool. And Johnny's wife shows up. And then we're talking with her and we're having fun. You know, we're blah, blah. okay, we go in. Now, Tulu, my daughter, has very strict instructions to get the best seats we can. She's been trained by her mother, who was trained by the New York City subway system, to really not fear hip checking anyone, okay? So we end up getting these great seats in the third row center to see the Laramie project. Now, as a now, I'm gonna skip to intermission. So intermission comes. Well, no, let's not, because it all, you know, li- life, linear life actually does make sense. I mean, the best way and a lot, of, right, a lot of times to tell this sto- the story is just to tell it. So, so the Laramie, Pro- like I say, it's all these, it's made up of all these interviews. And so what it requires of the actors is to do a fair amount of monologuing. Okay. And most of the, act- because there's so many characters, most of the actors play multiple roles. And so Hudson, you know, Hudson. Hudson had three parts. He had the part of a Unitarian uh, minister, the part of an emergency room surgeon, and the part of a bartender. In the emergency room physician, very serious character. The minister kind of just like a nice uh, minister exposition. You know what I mean? And then the bartender is this dim-witted guy who's almost like part of the comic relief of the show. He's, he thinks he's very smart and very articulate and very important to the case. And it's it's a great role. If you're ever looking for monologues, look for Matt Galloway from The Laramie Project. Really, th- like, completely wasted on the guy who did it on the HBO version. He just didn't see the the humor. And the director, or maybe it's just our family sees humor in it. Like, there's so much humor in this guy's w- words. It's sick. <clears throat> so H was really thrilled to work on Matt Galloway, work on Matt Galloway. And he really worked on Matt Galloway. And then the other two things was like, yeah, you know, I got to learn the lines and I'll do it and whatever. So, you know, I, I helped him a little bit with Matt Galloway, but he's 16 and he gets to a point and he's at rehearsal all day. He does not want to hear from me and does not really want to go back over it again after having been at rehearsal for three hours a day or whatever it is every day for months and months and months. So, And they had done some kind of run through for the staff or something at the school. And he he felt like that hadn't gone really well. So he's really focused on making sure Matt Galloway was funny. So we're watching the play. First night, it's great, right? Second night, again, he's still worried about Matt Galloway. The Matt Galloway, the big meat of Matt Galloway comes. He does a great job. He does a great job. When he's the minister, he does a great job. He's exactly what you'd want a Unitarian minister to be. Just this easygoing, nice, really level-headed, just guy who's kind of explaining the religious, you know, atmosphere of the town of Laramie, Wyoming, okay? But then there's this scene at the end of Act 1 where it's these dueling monologues between the emergency room physician, the surgeon and the female state trooper who was the first responder to the crime scene. Now Hudson is playing the ER surgeon. The woman the young woman uh, who is playing the trooper, she's a... She's a sophomore. She was in Romeo and Juliet with Hudson. And she played, she played Benvolio. Did a great job. She's very good. Very, very good. And so I was excited to see this young woman do, you know, do whatever she was going to do in Laramie Project. Just one of those people you kind of noticed, you know, in Romeo and Juliet. Like, oh, I can't wait to see what she does. And so they do this thing at the end of the first act where it's, hudson and this young woman benvolio and she's explaining finding the body and responding and what that was all about and hudson's character is explaining dealing with matthew shepard and then also one of the two guys that beat matthew shepard to death came into the er having gotten into another altercation at the same time Now, my son, I mean, I've always thought of him as being a good actor, but he hasn't really been trained. He's a 16-year-old kid. And so, you know, 16-year-old, you just, you're 16. I mean, as good as anyone I've ever seen at 16, you're still, you know what I mean? Like your life experience is limited to that of a 16-year-old. Your training is limited to that of a 16 year old. You're every, right? You're, I mean, that's who you really are. You don't really have any concept of what it's like to be a 50 year old surgeon. You don't, you don't really have any concept, honestly, of what it's like to be 17, right? These, these two are so connected to the material and are telling us the story with such honesty and with such emotional connection that there's nothing about it that's, forgive the term, sophomoric. I was watching... You know what? I almost said I was watching two professional actors. No, I really wasn't. I was watching an ER doctor and a state trooper. If the scene had lasted another 10 seconds it would have been interrupted by the insanely audible weeping of the man in the center third row it was so much to take in just as a play you know the 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 text of it is is emotional it's very dramatic But then to see your offspring excelling at his craft so far beyond your expectations that you need to burst. Luckily, the scene doesn't go on forever. Luckily, eventually the lights go down and then the house lights come up and it's intermission. Thank goodness because as much as i was enjoying it i really was not... <laughs> i wasn't i wasn't hey listen i wasn't going to be able to, to 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 maintain that masculine dad mask that you know what i mean like oh this is lovely theater and do a little opera clap like no i was going to be openly just like this is the saddest proudest thing like i don't know what's happening i'm having such overwhelming conflicting emotions right now there's no way that i can emotionally or intellectually deal with any of this thank you thank you thank you for bringing up the lights so I'm relieved and I look at my wife and I look at my daughter and I'm like wow that was just really good again like they just nailed that scene two nights in a row oh my god I'm so relieved that it's kind of over and I'm stretching and I'm looking around and I'm trying to get my eyes to adjust to the light and I look across the audience and what I think I see is kind of this weird sight honestly because it was like these worlds colliding I think I see and I don't want to jump to any conclusions right I think I see Johnny you know Johnny that we were hanging out Johnny talking to Todd Loiso now, do you know who Todd Lavoiezo is? Like, it just was like, w- that's weird. Todd Lavoiezo is, um, well, he directed Love Liza, which was a little movie that I was in. In, whenever that was, two thousand and three. I don't, I don't remember anymore. Now, you maybe know Todd Lavoiezo as an actor from High Fidelity. Uh, the name of his character is escapes me right now, but he's been in a bunch of movies. He's been in a bunch of TV shows, but he directed Love, Liza. And then most recently, he directed uh, a film that his wife wrote that kicked ass at Sundance. Um, I think in 2012 called Hello, I Must Be Going. And it starred Melanie. Oh, shoot. Melanie Linsky. Is that her last name? I never prepare for these stupid recordings. And this is the result. But it opened Sundance like this is a, and I, I've seen it. It's a great it's just it's such a like Todd directed movie where it's really dramatic and really emotional, but also really hilarious in points. And so, on, you know what I mean? Like if you like an honest. Independent movie, well acted by people that, you know, you're they're not cast to be shoved down your throat, it's just cast for the story, you know what I mean? So I'm sitting there and I'm like, I, it, it really looks like, because I haven't seen Todd in in 10 years or whatever it is, right? But it, it really is kind of like, there are tears in my eyes, but it's so weird. It does kind of seem like Johnny is talking to Todd LeWizo. So I become obsessed with the fact that I now have to figure out if that's Todd LeWizo. okay? But Johnny, I can't even tell if it's Johnny. Because the Johnny person, if it is Johnny, he has his back to me. But for some reason, I'm convinced it's Johnny. And the person that I think that's Todd has a beard. And when I saw Todd 10 years ago, he didn't have a beard. But what, you know, 10 years ago, nobody had a beard. And it was 10 years ago. So for all I know, this could be Todd Louisa with a beard. I don't know. But I feel like I saw a video of him when he was at Sundance and he didn't have a beard. I don't know what's going on. I, I know it only takes a couple of weeks to grow a beard. Listen, my son was just on stage talking about being an ER doctor. This is just crazy. So I get out of my seat and I walk over toward them, but I don't want to interrupt their conversation because I can't even tell if that's Johnny, let alone Todd. And I walk up the stairs and I try to eavesdrop on their conversation. But the guy that I think is Todd isn't talking. And the guy I think is Johnny is doing all the talking and I don't mean to insinuate that he's talking too much, but I don't really know Johnny's voice. So I go up the stairs and I go out of the theater and then I stand there like, well, if that's Todd, I should... I think I should say hi not but I don't know that's I don't want to I don't want to be like this guy who's clearly having some sort of parental breakdown and interrupt a conversation between two people that I don't even know and one of them isn't Johnny and the other one isn't Todd. But I go back I come back in. I don't listen, I got to come back in and see the second actor, third actor, whatever's what's whatever's happening. Something's happening next. So I go back in. I still don't hear the Todd guy's voice. He may but he may be like not even talking to the guy that may or may not be Johnny. No, I think the guy that may or may not be Johnny by now is even gone. Because I'm thinking, well, if I can at least find real Johnny, I can ask real Johnny. Hey, Johnny, was that really you over there? And if it was, who, were you talking to a guy named Todd Luizo? So the rest, the rest of the show happens. And it was great. Both nights, it was great. Uh, listen, when I was in high school, we, um, my drama teacher decided that we were going to do One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And we've talked about this before. But we did One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which is an insanely heavy... <laughs> I mean, it is heavy drama. I mean, it's funny. It's got so much funny funny stuff in it but it's a drama right it is a socio-political drama absolutely without question this is not our town okay it is not it's not a light little kneel. it's one floor of the cuckoo's nest and the people that I still in contact with from that show it's it was just it was a very important thing in our lives and it seemed like an important thing for the school now I don't know if that's been Hudson's experience with the school but I know whether he realizes it now or not, I, I think it's important that they did this show. And wonderful that they did this show. And they took it so seriously. They did such a great job. I mean, it was just, it was insane. So after the show, I had become convinced I have to figure out if that guy was Todd Loaizo. Because if it is because I keep trying to not be myself now, myself would just blow the whole thing off and be like, oh, yeah, I think I may have seen Todd like that's happened to me before. You know what I mean? Where I get this weird, impulsive social anxiety. And I decide not to zag and then have a social interaction, which is bizarre. Like, I have to admit. One day I was taking Hudson to the doctor. I think it was Hudson. Maybe it was Tulu, but we were, no, it was Hudson. And we were behind schedule a little bit and we're walking down the street in Beverly Hills. I know, I know, but I had to say that because it's so weird for me. For me to say I'm walking down the street, Beverly Hills is weird. But we're walking down the street in Beverly Hills because listen, that's where his doctor is. If I could get his doctor to move to Westchester, I would do it, but it's not gonna happen. He's in Beverly Hills, I'm sorry. But we're walking down the street in Beverly Hills. And we see coming out of some jewelry shop or something, Jackie Guerra. Now, Jackie Guerra is, uh, you know, I don't know what she's doing now, but she's, uh, she was a comedian, actress. She was the first Latina to star in her own sitcom. I kind of helped ghostwrite one of the episodes of her show on the sly. One of the writers on her show was Genji Cohen, who created, right? Orange is the New Black. Like she's Jackie. And while we were ghostwriting that, script, I became convinced, and I've told you this before, that Jackie and I are cousins, right? Mexican uh, Jackie and uh, whitey, white, white Dan. I just became convinced that she and I are cousins because there is, there is a Mexican aunt, like distant aunt that I have that I somehow became convinced was actually related to her. She said something like she had an aunt Antonia or whatever. I forget what her name is now. I just became convinced that Jackie said, oh, I had this aunt, let's say Antonia, right? I don't know if that's even, is that even, a like, what's a Mexican name? I can't think of her real name. We'll just say Maria, right? So we'll say, oh, I had this aunt, Aunt Maria Constantina, whatever. And she married a gringo and they lived in Colorado or whatever. Like she, she rattled off these stray facts and it was just like, oh my God, I think we're cousins. But then unfortunately her mother passed away. And we never could find, we never found out and I'm still obsessed by it, but I, I I never, right. So we're walking down the street and I see Jackie and I shouldn't even admit this because I'm so ashamed, but I see Jackie and I didn't stop and say hello because Hudson has medical anxiety and I can't be late to go to, to the doctor because he's got to get, I think it was when we were getting that lumpy thing checked that he had the MRI for. I can't draw that out for Hudson just to chit chat, even if it is with cousin Jackie He's got to get in there and just get this medical. Th- but it was like, oh, my God, I'm like walking by Jackie. Like, this is weird. So because of I think it was even because of Jackie. That I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to find out if this guy is Todd Loaizo or just a guy that, you know. Just another guy that looks uh, remarkably like Todd. But here's part of my anxiety now, not with Jackie. Because I spent a lot of time with Jackie at a certain point in the early 90s. Like, for instance, when I was ghostwriting with her then boyfriend, fiancé, Bill Torres, ghostwriting this script for this show. Todd, I haven't really spent that much time with. I mean, I really like Todd. And we had the same agents for a while and I have a lot of respect for him, But But we haven't actually spent that much time together. Not really. So I have to admit, so at this point, I do have a little bit of an anxiety because I've been in this conversation before and I've told you this before where I've gone up to people. I went up to a comedian. I I, like we, I feel like we just talked about this. So forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but there was this comedian that I was in a show with. We did this improvised town hall meeting show. I've, I've probably told you this a thousand times. We used to do this town hall meeting. It was just this improv thing. And he often played one of the, I won't even say who, because I I don't, he doesn't care. He played like the sheriff or something. And we did this thing every week for months or every month for a year or something. I mean, I saw this guy all the time. And then a couple of years later, I saw him outside of an audition. I was like, hey, dude, how you doing? He's like, "Uh he didn't remember me. And I don't know if there's just something about me that I'm not met, right? So I developed this complex of like, people don't remember me. This other comedian I saw, whose name you would know, like he's fairly well-known guy. You might know who he is. And I was like, Hey dude, how you been? We used to do like a similar thing at this, this similar performance space. He didn't know who it was. So I've got this thing, man. It started in middle school. You know how in middle school, you meet one of the popular girls that's in eighth grade, but you're in seventh grade. And then you see her in school and she acts like she doesn't know you, even though she met you like three days earlier at a party. Okay. Ever since then, I've had this complex. So as much as I'm forcing myself to go say hi to this person if it is in fact Todd, I don't want to say hi to this person even if it is Todd because oh my god, what if he's like Oh, yeah. Ha huh, uh mm, uh you know what I mean? It could happen. It could ha- it listen, <laughs> listen. It's and I maybe it's mostly LA, I don't know. But, it, but again, the thing in junior high that happened in Rochester, man, that that was just like, but, but that's junior high. But L.A. is junior high. So I go out into the lobby and I start stalking this guy that may or may not be Todd Loaizo. And I finally find him and I kind of like saunter by all casual like because I really got to hear this guy's voice because I'm pretty sure it's him. But I got to be extra sure. And it was him. So I say very tentatively, but try not to sound tentative. Hey, Todd, it's uh, Dan Class. I don't know if you remember me, you know, from Love Liza. And he gives me a big hug. So we had a great chat. It was great to catch up with him. Uh, such a nice guy. His son was there. His handsome, charming little son. And um, only I only say little, not because he's little, just because I've gotten so used to my son being gigantor. That's always nice when someone else's son is just kind of like a normal size person. Not that my son is a freak, but it's just, you know, you know that I resent that he's so much taller than me. Anyway, Todd's doing very well, and uh, it was great to catch up with him and um yeah, he co-wrote the screenplay for the upcoming Macbeth movie, which looks like easily the most kick-ass, badass Shakespeare movie ever made. It looks unbelievable. Michael Fassbender is Macbeth. The Scottish movie. yeah we got it we got to see that so the play was over everybody's done it's you know it's the second night now we had made plans hudson has a girlfriend okay i don't know i don't know if he calls her that you know because this generation yeah i don't know what they call anything okay there there's a young woman with whom hudson seems to be spending a lot of time and by seems i mean is uh And we had made plans to take her, like, to go out to eat or something after with her to kind of get to to know her. We didn't really know her that well. Which always seems like such a great idea. Like, oh, yes, afterwards we'll get some food or something. We'll go to someplace cool in Santa Monica. So that was the plan. So we kind of hung around after the show. And then the five of us uh, went to this place called Earth Cafe. Now, of course, none of our cars can fit five people comfortably. So we took two cars, so LA. And we all met up over there. And then, you know, next thing you know, it's 11 o'clock at night and we're eating food. But that had been the idea. So that's what we did. And of course, the, the classes are all ordering like we never ate dinner, even though we all ate dinner. I don't know what we were thinking, but we all like ate dinner again. At 11 o'clock. She, of course, has like a piece of pie because she's, I don't know what, sane or something, right? So, <coughs> so I don't, I had like a quesadilla or something, or a calzo. I don't even remember what I had, but it was a full meal at 11 o'clock at night. Which maybe explains why the next day, by noon, I was fine, and by one, I had a head cold. We had stayed up too damn late, and then I had to go be dojo manager at a karate examination where I had to make change. And apparently making change really lowers my resistance to infection. I wonder if that's how I got bronchitis before. I wonder if it was from making change. Maybe that's the key to all my health problems is I should never either handle money or do math in my head. I got to look into that. And speaking of karate, so, <clears throat> I'm sorry I keep choking like that. I Hopefully if I have time, I'll edit all those out. But speaking of karate, so, every once in a while I get bored. And um, I like to watch on YouTube uh, videos where someone's being a jerk and then someone else uh, knocks them out. For some reason, I find great joy in that. For some reason, seeing a jackass get, like... Right? Lights out. I, I find that immensely entertaining. And I realized recently that there's another thing that I find immensely entertaining. And it's um, martial arts fake videos where the person is obviously just a snake oil, snake oil s- salesman. And so what I mean by by that is this. So <clears throat> I had seen this video a while ago. And it hadn't really stuck with me, but this guy that claims that his chi power, his chi power is so developed that he can knock a line of people over without even touching them just by using his chi power because he has amazing chi power. Now, listen, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I can't really explain it to you. Chi power is something that martial arts people believe in that is chi power. You know, I don't I don't know how to explain it. It's like the force. Okay, that's essentially what chi power is, the force. We're back to Star Wars. I know this is going to go first full circle, apparently. But it's the flow of energy through your body. In ways that i you know i don't know listen man i I know i studied karate and i I know i've right i'm trying to learn tai chi tai chi power right i know i know it's all connected i can't even explain to you what chi power is but apparently this guy has so much chi power that he can push lines of people groups of people with his chi power and then of course they bring a non-believer in and they say okay well you know We've seen you push over your students. We've seen you push over a line of your students. Here's a non-believer. This guy's just like a physics professor or whatever from the local college. See if you can get one of your guys to push him over and and nothing happened. Apparently, this particular professor uh, is immune to chi power and he could not be uh, moved. Okay. And what brought this whole thing up is Brian Hogg, friend of the show, Brian Hogg. Brian Hogg, you know Brian Hogg. Brian, uh, what's the name? Uh, dot Boom? Brian Hogg, okay. He had posted on Facebook a uh, video that I found very entertaining, and then another one that I found entertaining, and I don't remember if he posted this one, but one of them was a guy whose chi power was so amazing that his associate, his student, his whatever, couldn't even touch him. He would just knock him over using nothing but chi power. And it was awesome. It looked like two children making like a force push video in their backyard. It was amazing. It's ridiculous and it's amazing. But the one that I think I loved the most was the one that Brian uh, posted originally, which was, There's a man whose ability to control his chi power is so immense. He can form a ball of chi power in front of his face. And it's a protective ball of chi power you cannot even punch through. This ball of chi power, he can defend himself without touching you by simply creating a ball of power, of chi energy. And holding it between himself and you, and you cannot punch him. How amazing is this, that you could defend yourself by not even defending yourself, defend yourself by the sheer power of your force, your force push power. So what this video was, was a demonstration of this, where he, the chi power master guy, the no touch master of chi ball power, kneels on the grass and in front of him kneels, and I don't know why they're kneeling, I guess, just so they can't use their feet. I don't know why why kneeling is involved to summon the chi I guess I don't know but so in front of him kneels uh, you know a martial arts guy not necessarily from chi ball power man's school a different martial arts guy from elsewhere another country and they kneel facing each other and then the chi ball power master makes a chi ball of power of power chi power and then the other guy tries to punch him and proceeds to punch him right in the face. And so they slap and punch each other for a second, then they break. And then the Chi Master's like, well, I, you know, he he says something in a language that I, I don't understand, but it was clearly, listen, let me try again. So the non-Chi Ball power guy once again clocks this guy solidly in the face two or three times. And the Chi Ball Power Master, undeterred by so far receiving several near-knockout blows, goes for a third attempt to magically, through chi-ball power, protect himself. The other guy hits him in the face so hard. Once, boom, twice, boom, he practically really does knock the chi-ball power guy out. Finally, chi-ball power is, like, enough. And I think this is awesome because I I really despise these guys, right? Like selling this, and not that I don't believe in Chi. I'm not saying that, but I don't, this whole like no touch thing where these guys claim to defend themselves and their followers are all starry-eyed like, oh, we're going to learn this and this is great and they're paying this guy money. piece of resistance, though, is seeing that guy get punched in the face. I hate to celebrate a man being punched. But when you're being punched, saying that you can stop a guy from punching you by making a ball of chi power, it's just silly. So I feel like, I, you know what I want to do? I want to show this chi ball power master video to Concho. Concho is the guy that teaches me Tai Chi and Karate. And Concho is going to find this hilarious. And Kancho's going to double over in laughter if I show him this chi ball power, power chi ball uh, video guy thing. So Concho had been in Japan and I saw him this morning. But when I saw him, he had these other things to talk to me about. And then, you know, he has to teach Tai Chi class because we're a Tai Chi class because it's a Tai Chi class. So I didn't think to show him the video. I thought, you know what, I'll wait. I'll wait till we're at the dojo some night when there's more time and I'll show him then. And we'll all have a big laugh at how ridiculous this is. And then I'm talking to one of the other students and I look over and Concho is standing about three feet away from one of the other students with his arms outstretched. And I think he's healing this woman's sore neck using his chi power on her neck. And I think to myself, oh, I got to learn that. Thank you for listening to the bitterest pill. Uh, as always, I'm uh, me. It's me, and I'm in the garage. Uh, so thank you for, to Brian Hogg for posting cheap power videos. Of course, they are ridiculous because all cheap power is ridiculous unless uh, my master is doing it. Everyone else's master is a charlatan, except for mine. Mine, my, my master—that's real cheap power, and I will keep you posted on how they go. But clearly, everyone else—you know what I mean thank you uh, great to see Todd uh Louisa. I'll give you an update on that as it uh, uh, later and I do know who Han Solo is and I really do want you to guess and let me know or just write it down put it away see if you were right when the announcement's made I don't even know when it's going to announce but I'm telling you I'm pretty sure I know who it is and I'm not saying I guessed who it is I'm saying uh, right, you understand this this is very exciting and I want to tell you so bad I want to tell someone but I can't Although I should ask the person that told me maybe it's not even a secret anymore. I don't know. Anyway, thanks, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading the show. Thanks for supporting the show. If you want to support the show monetarily, please become a patron. Patron, a Patreon. Uh, they are really, really, sincerely, lit- literally keeping the show afloat. Who are the current patrons? Thanks to all our Patreon patrons including Megan, Rob Houston, Dave Jackson, Mike Hamilton, Harold Goldner, Tom Carroll, David Chase, and Gerard Cordinez, Chris Klass, and Scott Mercer. Thank you for your support. Yes, thank you, thank you, one and all. Uh, next time, I don't know what we're going to talk about, Although maybe I'll finally get to the big story that I've been sitting on that i got to tell before I forget, because I will forget. And then I think next time, too, uh, we will talk about attention deficit syndrome, if I can remember to talk about it, and I'm not thinking about other things. Do you have ADD? Do you? Uh Uh-huh. All right, we'll talk about it next time on The Bitterest pill. The Bitter's Pill is produced by Jacket Media, makers of fine podcasts since 2004. That's...